This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to ST Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Joyce Teo. More than 80 million people around the world have been vaccinated against COVID-19, but many more remain on the fence. It's understandable, especially considering that the world has never embarked on a vaccination program of this scale, and yet it is trying to do so in as short a time as possible. Surveys done around the world have shown that a key concern with many who are hesitant about taking the COVID-19 vaccine lies with the side effects that they may experience. So today we have a special guest, a clinician, Associate Professor Lim Po Lian, who will help shed some light on this. She's the head of the Travelers Health and Vaccination Clinic at Tan Tok Seng Hospital, the director of the High-Level Isolation Unit at the National Centre for Infectious Diseases, and a member of the Expert Committee on COVID-19 Vaccination, which makes recommendations to the government on Singapore's vaccination strategy. Hi Prof Lim, good to have you on Health Check. So I want to start with a question that remains on some people's minds, and that is, what are the possible long-term side effects of a COVID-19 vaccine? But if you think about polio, for example, you know, um, one in a million kids who get vaccinated will get polio from it. So for that one person, it's very tragic, but it's not unexpected. If you didn't vaccinate for polio, hundreds of kids would have that paralysis. So you can talk about the long-term side effects of a vaccine. And for that one in a million that gets that polio side effect, it is long-term. But most of the other people don't get it, right? Um, so when we talk about this COVID vaccine, obviously the vaccine has been around for about three months and then from the phase three trials starting about six months, right? Started around July of 2020. So I would be lying if I said there are no long-term side effects because we're only at six months out, right? But we know from our experience with vaccines over the last 70, 80 years that, you know, certain things happen early Mm. They can have long-term side effects, but they're very rare. Mm. And most things don't happen long-term. I mean, like, you know, so like the whole autism thing was just rubbish, uh, Mm. honestly speaking. Mm. Uh, It was cooked up uh, information. It was basically misinformation. Mm. Um, So autism is long-term, but it wasn't caused by the vaccine. Scientifically Mm. debunked, okay? But urban myth always persists. So for that one in a 100,000 anaphylaxis cases... We are making every single person mm-hmm. sit there in the clinic area mm-hmm. after a vaccine. So if you think about it, that's 99,999 people who will not get anaphylaxis. But that's the commitment we have to safety. Uh, and everyone's actually agrees to it. You know, when I talk to patients, they say, yeah, yeah, for safety, yes, all of us sit down for 30 minutes. Because you don't know who's going to be that one in 100,000. We've already excluded the people that we think are higher risk to be in there, the people with known anaphylaxis to other things, for example, to penicillin uh, or bee-sting. You know, we're saying, you know, in the U.S., you can get it because uh, the and and watch be watched for 30 minutes because the risk in the U.S. is very high right now. But here in Singapore, because the risk is relatively low in community, we're asking people to hold back, not because we don't want to vaccinate them, We'd love to vaccinate them safely, but we want to be sure. So we are being very careful. We're going to ask them to wait first, let everybody else get vaccinated safely. And then if we think that it's safe and there's more data from all over the world, then we would allow them to do that. 
What are the common side effects? You know, what can people expect when they take the jab? Common and and less common, but you know, still not extremely rare, would be things like a sore arm, redness at the injection site, the fever, the headache, um, being very tired, um, spiking a fever. Um, those are all real. They don't happen that commonly, but they definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Extremely careful, extremely deliberate. Our main priority is safety, uh, and we want to do this safely. But we also have to tell people, moderate expectations, uh, which is that they have to know what things to expect and not get upset because, you know, that's the price of being protected from the disease. So in Singapore, 40 people at NCID received the vaccine at the end of last year, before the country's mass vaccination program kicked off at the start of the year. So you were one of the 40. Can you share your experience? Like, did you have any side effects? I was very nervous at- because we were the very first batch on the 30th and there were 40 Mm -hmm. of us and the phase three studies had said that there were 14% fevers which is Mm -hmm. one in seven so if you expect 40 people then five at least five people should get fever Mm -hmm. and of course all of us as doctors and nurses and healthcare workers are required to sign out if we have a fever we're not allowed to work so you sort of feel bad if you're you know put you know, you're, you're making your colleagues do extra work if you are out on MC. So thankfully, none of the 40 got fever. But the truth is that um, maybe about 40% of us had a sore arm. My sore arm was probably, if you give a scale of 1 to 10 for pain, it was probably a 1 or 2. I did not need Panadol. But for most of us, it was mild and it lasted about 24 to 36 hours. Um, by the second, third day, most of us were okay. The oh, rare things are things like a, a swollen lymph node that was reported in the study, probably about three in a thousand. So if you do the math, that's you know, 99% or more will be fine. They won't experience it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, should you run around telling people, oh, you know, you can expect this one in you know a thousand kind of thing or three in a thousand kind of thing, you know, and the truth is that most people will not experience it. And when it does happen, we tell people to just tell us. We'll look through the list. Even if it's something that's completely unheard of, we will report it. And there's a QR code on the vaccine information sheet that they can text it directly to fill out the form directly to HSA. And HSA is monitoring that. So I think there are a lot of safety nets. And we want people to feel confident that this is being done carefully and safely. If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the Health Chat podcast for free on your favorite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation with Associate Professor Lim Polian. So, Prof Lim, how safe is a vaccine for people with allergies? Uh, what we look at now when we're at the clinical part, where we actually, the, the vaccine's already been determined, uh, assessed properly and the risk benefit, we think that the clinical benefit uh, and the public health benefit outweigh the risk. So now when we look at patients, then that's a different sort of assessment because you're looking at the individual patient in front of you and you're Mm -hmm. saying, you know, are you allergic to anything? And so there are lots of people who are allergic, let's just say to shellfish or prawns, they might Mm -hmm. get a rash. Well, someone like that is safe to get the vaccine. But if, for example, someone says, you know, I, I, was, uh, I got penicillin and I had swelling around my eyes or lips, or I actually ended up in the hospital and they had to give me epinephrine, then mm-hmm. that is anaphylaxis. And for now, we would say don't do it. But there are people also with um, blood thinning medicines, you know, for mm-hmm. cardiac conditions. And those we would allow to get vaccinated, but we would give them advice. 
you know, you need to press really firmly on your arm after the vaccination for five mm -hmm. minutes by the clock. Um, but then you will also get people saying, well, I've got, um, I'm breastfeeding and my baby is five months old. Is it safe for me to get the vaccine? So part of that questionnaire that we're going through with people in, in screening them is to ask about the details of that particular person, you know, their health condition, whether they've just had cancer or whether they had cancer six years ago and they're fine now. So for example, I have cancer, I had cancer and, um, you know, I went through chemo and radiation, but that was six years ago. I have asthma, so um, and I have eczema. Those are very common questions that come up. And all of those would be allowed to get the vaccine. The stable asthma, stable eczema, which is a skin condition, um, or someone who had a cancer six years ago, for example, that's in remission, then they would get, um, you know, they would be advised to get the vaccine. So what about those who are undergoing chemotherapy? Well, for someone who's going through chemo right now, but someone who had chemo six years ago or four years ago, that would be fine. Instead of setting, um, trying to set fairly clear conditions, but if someone has um, a condition where they're not sure, we are encouraging them to consult with their doctor because their doctor knows them best. Prof, some people with underlying conditions, they may worry about the vaccine harming them. Can you tell us how safe the vaccine is for people with medical conditions or, you know, for those who smoke, for example? Yeah, I mean, so in general, there are people with medical conditions, um, you know, such as diabetes, smoking, um, you know, uh, kidney problems and so on. We think that people with medical conditions are actually at increased risk for more severe COVID if they were to get COVID. So remember, there are two types of risks. One is the risk that you would be exposed to COVID and get infected. So for example, if you're traveling, or if you work a lot with people in, say, SHN, you know, these are people who have flown in from overseas and you're interacting with them, you could be a cleaner in an SHN hotel, for example. We want to keep them safe because they're at increased risk for getting that infection. The second uh, likelihood is that if you were to get the infection, how likely are you to get sick? So a 20-year-old might not get sick even though they got COVID, but if they brought it home to their 80-year-old grandmother, that grandmother is probably at lower risk of catching it, but now that her grandson has brought it home, if she gets it, she's going to get a lot sicker and could end up you know, in the ICU or die. So we want to protect the other group, which is the medically vulnerable. Like you mentioned, you know, with, who's, who's a smoker or with eczema or um, hypertension or diabetes, they need to get that vaccine. Thank you very much, Prof Lim. Thanks, Joyce. Yes. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Search for Street Times Health Check, like us and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.